Thank you for being a part of this series we've been in. Uh, it's called The Gospel. Very excited about this entire series. And uh, in fact, in the last three weeks, 658 people have received Christ at Church Unlimited. It's been simply amazing. It's just God's doing something really special. The very first week of the series, I kind of went theological on you and just kind of unpacked what the gospel is and what the gospel isn't. And in doing so, I kind of ticked some people off. Because I said in Scripture, it shows to where there was a, a criminal hanging next to Jesus on the cross, on his own cross. And in that moment, he said, please remember me, Lord, when you're in your kingdom. And Jesus turned to him and said, I will be with you in paradise today. He said, you'll be with me in paradise today. And so I use that to show that there are people who give their life to Christ that never really show any change beyond that. He had no time to show change beyond that. And of course, people get upset. So you're saying it's okay for someone to accept Christ and just live like the world after that. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm saying it does happen. But I do believe that they will be in heaven. And so, you know, people say, but, but, but you're telling me that, that you, can live for, you can live for Christ and then fall off and you're still going to go to heaven? Yes, because you did not earn your salvation. You can also not unearn it. And so that's what that means. And for an example, another example is Solomon in Scripture, where he actually loved the Lord. He was at one point called the most wise man on all the earth. He loved God, pursued him. But then at the end of his life, he did not. And so, but I believe based on scripture that he will be in heaven because he knew the Lord. And so having said that, I would say to you from a theological perspective, tough cookies. That's just the truth. But having said that, I want you to hear me. That doesn't mean we're saying that's right. We're not saying that you should accept Christ and then just forget about walking with God. No, 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 no. That's not God's will. It's God's will that we receive Christ, repent in that moment to receive Christ. But then from that point on, we live for Christ. Does that make sense? And so that's the way God intends it to be. So the gospel would be incomplete if I didn't talk today about how we become full developed disciples in Christ. I want to unpack that today. So if you've got your notes or you can pull your notes out actually through the Church Unlimited app, that's where you find the notes. They're in digital form today. Thanks to COVID, uh, we have them in digital form. You can download the Church Unlimited app at the App Store. Click on notes. You'll have the same notes that I'm preaching from today. So I'm going to dive right in. Today's message is called Time to Grow Up. It's time to grow up in our faith. And I promise you this message will challenge you. Let's, let's look at the first scripture. Let's dive right in. Ephesians 4 says this. Then we will, be no longer, we will no longer be babies, but we will be... I'm sorry, let me back up. Then we will no longer be babies. We will not be tossed about like a ship that the waves carry one way and then another. We will not be influenced by every new teaching we hear from people who are trying to fool us. No, speaking the truth with love, we will grow up in every way into Christ. Now today, I want to speak the truth in love. This will be more of a challenging message, but it says right at the beginning, we will no longer be babies. So my first point to you today is this, don't be a baby. We got to grow up in our faith. So I thought, let's talk about babies for a second. So it's been a while since I've had babies in my house, but I brought my uh, diaper bag. And so I thought we'd talk about this today. Forgive me a second. I just want to get a quick drink. I'm a little thirsty. Okay. So I want to talk today about what babies do and how we should, as Christians, not be babies any longer. The first thing I can tell you about babies let me just dig this out if I can, is that they like to be spoon-fed, right? I mean, babies want to be spoon-fed. Oh, man, that's pretty tough. And uh, one of the ways you know as a Christian you're still being a baby is if the only way you ever hear the Word of God is from another preacher. It's from someone else teaching it to you, and you're unable to simply open the Bible yourself and actually feed yourself. That's disgusting. Okay. <laughs> Let me put that up right now. Okay. So we have to learn to feed ourselves. We have to be able to open the Bible ourselves. And that really is gross. I mean, that really was gross. We have to be able to dig into the Word ourselves 
and feed ourselves the truth. And so sometimes we get intimidated, but oh, what if I don't know what that Bible verse means? Then you can do like the rest of us and Google it, right? There's actually some great commentaries online, some Bible commentaries, which means that there are theologians who studied the Bible for 50 years, and they write their comments on each verse and what they believe it means. They've studied it in great detail. Did you know there are theologians who study the Bible so much that there's people that spend their entire life just on the book of Philippians, just on 2 Corinthians 10, and they spend 10 years on that, and they write one book, a commentary on all their comments on that one chapter in that one book. That's how much. So, so you can imagine they've really thought this through and they'll give you 15 different viewpoints. And here's why they think this and here's why they think that. And here's what they settled on. And then you've got to decide at that point. And so there is incredible knowledge. You can get one of my favorite websites is blueletterbible.com. It's a great one. Uh, there's a .org, excuse me. There's, there's great websites like that that you can just pull up a commentary. So if you're reading the Bible, you get confused, stop and just look it up. It's okay to do that. I've got a commentary. My favorite commentary is called the Bible Knowledge Commentary. You can get it digitally or you can buy the books. And it's great. And so don't think you have to have all of your feeding of the Word of God from someone else. You can dig in the Bible yourself. And I, I'm telling you the truth. Honestly, all you need is the Bible, you, and the Holy Spirit. And God can speak to you through his word. He wants you to be willing to dig in. Don't be a baby where you have to spoon fed all the time. We want to grow up in the Lord. Here's another thing about babies is you can't leave them alone. So I've got my plug protectors and I've got my cabinet slide locks, right? You have to have these with babies. If you don't, bad things can happen, right? And so it's important that you protect them and you can never leave a baby alone. Let me ask you something. This is a challenge for all of us, include myself in this. Are you different when you're alone? than you are when you're with other people? And so we have to ask that question, do I have to be babysat all the time, or can I stick to the standard of God when no one else is around? This is a challenge for myself too, right? Like, what TV shows do I watch when no one's around? What do I do? Let me ask you, uh, those of you who go on the business trip, are you different, are you, are you the, based upon the same morals you keep when you're at home as you are when you're on the business trip? Or, or do you have to be babysat? Because one of the ways you know you're growing up is you don't have to always be babysat. You, you will honor the Lord when no one's looking, when no one's around. And so that's a challenge for all of us. And so we have to ask that question. Can we be left alone? Here's another one. Of course, if you're going to have a diaper bag, you, you, you have to have a diaper, right? So I've got the diaper here. And so it's been a long time since so I've had to use one of these. Um, no, not personally. I mean, like on someone else. I mean, like, <laughs> I pray it's a long time until I need one of these again. I mean, truth be told. But you know, the thing about diapers is that, you know, every baby, you know, well, they, they soil themselves, they go to the bathroom and they just, you know, you have to change your diaper, right? And have you ever been around a baby that hadn't had a diaper change in a while? I mean, it's bad, right? It starts leaking, it's disgusting, right? It can go really bad really fast. And so, you know, let me just ask you something. Have you learned to grow up to where you change yourself or does someone have to confront you for you to change? Are you unwilling to confront yourself, to take a hard look in the mirror and say, I need to work on this? doesn't mean we're perfect. We're still going to have mistakes. I'm not saying we're not still going to struggle with sin. But are you willing to recognize your own stink? Or does someone else have to confront you? Or are you going through relationships and friendships and burning bridges of people because you're not willing to recognize when everyone else smells around you what's going on from you? Does someone else have to always sit you down, confront you? Or are you willing to change yourself? That's how we know we're growing up and not just being a baby is we're willing to take a hard look in the mirror and say, I need to work on me. I don't care. You, say, you may say, I've done that. I know where I messed up. I need to get some help. I can't fix this myself. Then go get help. Then go talk to a counselor. Go talk to someone who can help you. There's nothing wrong with that. But be willing to go yourself. Or do you have to always be confronted before you realize you need to make a change? Here's another thing about babies. Uh, they have what's called unbridled emotion, right? 
You ever give notice about babies? They just all of a sudden out of nowhere go, yeah, and they lose it, right? And they're crying their eyes out and they're freaking out. You ever, you ever come up to a baby and you're like, hi, and your big face is right in front of theirs and they go, and scares them. It's a little too much. You know what I'm talking about? You got, I, I, I don't mean to, but I, I kind of had that Jim Carrey face going on. So I'm like, yay! And they're like, ah! So they start crying. So I've learned, don't get too quick at coming up to a baby, right? Unbridled emotion. Let me ask you something. Have you grown up with the Lord enough or are you still unbridled in your emotion? You just say whatever you want to say at that moment. You just pop up. You just lose it. You just freak out on people. Or are you anxious and fearful all the time? You're always worried something's going to go, ah! You're living in fear. Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. Well, who's perfect love? The Father. Being with God takes that away. We shouldn't be fearful all the time. Maybe you're depressed. Now, I do believe there's such a thing as clinical depression. You should go see a doctor if that's the case. But I believe many people who are on medicine for depression don't really need the medicine. They need to learn to self-regulate their emotion. And so, you ever had someone get up in your face a little bit and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. But as an adult, if someone gets too close, I can say, hey, could you mind just taking a few steps back? That's a little much. But a baby can't do that, right? Because they're so little. They don't know how to do that. They don't know how to speak up for themselves. One time I was at an ATM machine, and I was getting some money out, and I looked over to my, to my left, and there was a guy right here. And I mean, it was like, dude, so I just turned to blue. I remember being like, seriously? And I didn't say anything about it. I was like, and he was like, oh, I'm sorry. And he back. I was like, bro, we're not doing this. So he backed up. And so I have the ability to say, no, no, no you, you get out of my face, right? Do we have the ability to do that with the world? Because I think one of the reasons why we're anxious and fearful and depressed is because we have a screen in our face all the time telling us the wrong things, putting up nonstop tragedy and crisis and opinions. And Of course you're going to be fearful. Of course you're going to be depressed because you're just shoving stuff in your face. You have to learn to be able to push back. The Holy Spirit, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. The ability to say, okay, I can turn that off now. I can turn off that video game now. I can turn off that phone. I can turn off that Netflix. I need to get a little distance from all that and spend a little time with God. I have the ability to regulate myself. That's one of the ways we know we're maturing in the Lord. And so I just want to challenge you. Do you have unbridled emotion? Are you too sensitive? Are you just, you just get offended by everything? Are you still mad at something from five years ago? Growing up in the Lord is learning to let go of some things, too. So I just want to encourage you that the unbridled emotion is not God's plan. You know, uh, I remember when Sophie was little, um, she had a little sippy cup, and she's in the back, uh, she was in the back seat. Uh, I was driving the Suburban, because that's what you drive when you got little ones, right? So we had this big Suburban. She's in the very back, and I think I'd already dropped off the boys somewhere, and I had her with me. And so she wanted me to know that she was out, right? She was, she was out of something to drink. And so she's like, uh, uh, which is her way of saying, I want more, Right? And so I remember I'm driving and I, I looked in the rearview mirror and I go, Sophie, okay, I know you want more. I'll get you some more in just a minute. So I'm driving along and all of a sudden, bam, something hits the windshield. And I was like, oh, what happened? I thought something from outside the car had hit the windshield. No, she threw her sippy cup <laughs> at the windshield. I was like, I'm glad her aim wasn't better. <laughs> she could not control her emotions. That girl's got some strong genes. I'm just telling you right now, she does. And so the reality is that we, as we get older, learn to control those emotions when we're upset. We don't just say whatever we're thinking. It's a good way to lose your job, saying whatever you're thinking at any moment. It's a good way to blow things. You ever said something you, that you wish you could take back? So you have to learn to control our emotions. Maybe we're depressed and we have to learn, maybe I need to back off from some of the stuff I'm reading. A lot of times depression isn't about some kind of clinical thing. It's what you're feeding on. So we've got to learn to feed on 
the right sources, the right things. And so that's a big part of this. And, and this is my favorite one, is that the babies are easily distracted, aren't they? Have you ever pulled out the keys to get a picture? You know what I'm talking about? Someone's got the camera in front of the whole family, there's a baby, and someone's behind the camera going like that, Right? Let me ask you something. If you're walking with God, let me talk to singles for a second. Hey, singles, you're like, this time I'm devoted to you, Jesus. I'm only going to follow you. Oh, he's cute. I'm going to go see what he's. Wow, he's really. Oh, look at her. Yeah, she's really. Praise God. Look at her form. Oh, yeah, look at that. Look at. That's nice and shiny right there. See, it's so funny how we kind of fall for what shines and sparkles and makes a nice little sound. But, you know, if a baby actually get a hold of these keys, what do they do? They, could, they go right to the mouth of them. You know how dirty keys are? You know how gross that is? You might as well give them the hotel remote control. <laughs> like, oh, that's God. No, I'm just going to. Like, oh, oh, please don't do that. Please don't let your kid. I mean, that's, ah, don't do that. This is why we have, like, what, what plastic little keys, like, because we're saying basically, hey, you chew on that. I know that's not dirty, right? And so, because just because it's shiny doesn't mean it's good for you. I wonder how many of us have fallen for the things of this world that maybe we're not in some overtly horrible, sinful situation, but the world looks so shiny that it just gets our focus and we get our eyes off God. And we have fallen for the world rather than for what God has. Part of growing up is not letting every shiny thing that jiggles get your attention. So part of growing up and not being a baby anymore is to recognize things for what they really are. How about this? You ever notice this about a baby? You can be like this and be like... (gasps) You want me to stop with the baby stuff or you want more? Do you want more? I can give you more. Okay, so so what do we do? We cover up like, because ah, ah, babies don't have the ability to understand that behind your hands, you're still there, right? So you just, you just kind of, and one of the signs of maturing in your faith is you have to be able to see something that you can't see with your eyes, but know that it's out there. If I'll continue to wait on the Lord, if I'll break up with Mr. and Mrs. Wrong, for someone I can't see yet, but by faith I know they're there. I'll wait on this today because if I learn to wait, I understand that rather than just spending every penny I have, if I wait on the Lord, invest in the Lord, bring my tithe, then save something for a rainy day, that if I'll do that, it's going to be worth doing that for down the road for what I can't see yet. Maturity is the ability to see without your eyes, but to see with your heart and know there's more out there. I'm not going to compromise myself just because this is what's in front of me. Does that make sense? So don't be a baby. It's time to grow up. There was a girl that uh, was new in Christ. She, she'd become a Christian. And uh, she was talking with a friend of hers. And she said, hey, I've been reading the Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about Jesus and all that, and it's really been good. But can I get a book on, on, church, on church history? And the guy said, why do you want a book on church history? And she said, because I want to know, like, when did it find, like, at what point did it happen the Christians started quit acting like Christ? Wow. Because she realized what I'm reading and what I'm seeing in church is not even close to the same thing. So when did that change? It's a challenge for all of us, isn't it? We want to be like Christ, to really walk with the Lord, to be mature in our faith. So it's time to grow up. So how do we grow up? I want to give you five simple ways to grow up in your faith. Here we go. You guys with me? You guys getting something out of this? I need some response now. Come on. All right, here we go. 
Here's how to grow up. John 12, 26 says this. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Look at Mark 3. The plan was that they would be with him and he would send them out and proclaim the word. So the first thing we need to do to grow up is real simple. Be with God consistently. Be with him. Just spend time with the Lord. This actually grows you. This may seem really simple, but it really does grow you. There was a study done years ago. It's a horrible study that, thank God, they've not repeated, where they had babies that were born. They left them unattended, only fed them. That was it, and gave them no physical affection to see what it would do to them. All the babies died. It's a terrible experiment that, thank God, has not been repeated. But that shows you the power of interaction. When we adopted Sophie, she was six months old. She laid in her crib for six months. And all, she was just brought out of her crib to be fed and to be changed once a day and then put back in her crib. She was never held. And so when we, when we got her, it was crazy. She couldn't sit up at all. And at her age, she should have been able to sit up. And so we would sit her up and she would just mm, boom, fall right over. And we'd sit her up and she, boom, we just thought, man, what's going on? And so it was, it was just, it was scary to us. We're like, this is crazy. So we're asking about her health. Is there something we don't know about? What's the deal? And they're like, no, we don't know. I mean, this is, she seems fine to us because it seemed normal to them. Because you see, dysfunction seems normal if you're in it. But it's not, is it? She also couldn't hear. We literally at one point thought, we're bringing home a child that may never walk and may never hear. And so, but we knew this was our baby. I prayed years ago. I said, God, before this, a year before, I said, God, whoever, Lord, they assign us to, we're going to see that as your hand. So we said, no, this is, our, this is our daughter. We're bringing her home. Guess what we found out? All she lacked was good medicine and touch. And so we found out there was just water behind her ears, and we got that cleared up. She was fine. She could hear fine. And then uh, we just began to play with her, and guess what? Just the interaction made her better. You know what? You know, if you don't interact with your Heavenly Father, you'll be underdeveloped. But if you just interact with God, just, just pray. Just, God, hey, I'm, I'm kind of having a bad day. Would you be with me, Lord? Would you just remind me that you're there? Lord, I just want to take a moment and say, today is the day that you've made. I want to rejoice and be glad in it. I just want to honor you, Lord. Just interacting with God develops you. It really does. And so we thought, oh, Sophie's going to maybe have these weaknesses. Oh, she's strong as an ox. She's crazy strong. She's Russian strong. It's crazy. I always tell her, man, your grandfather Vladimir Putin will be so proud of you. <laughs> She's got some KGB blood in her, I'm telling you. <laughs> but the truth is this. Be with him constantly, and if you'll do that, it will develop you. It will grow your faith. Here's another one, too. Love him more than anyone else. The Bible is very clear. To love God more than anyone else. Look what it says. Luke 14. If you want to be my disciple, you must be, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife and children, brother and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Now, is he saying to, to hate your father and mother? No. He was saying, by comparison, love God more than everyone else. Every other relationship should be second to your love with God. I heard a preacher one time say, God's my first, you're my two. When you, make, when you make a person your number one, they'll disappoint you. Make them your number two. God's my number one, then you're my number two. Make sense? If you'll do that, then you'll get your needs met by the Father instead of trying to get a human to meet your human needs. It doesn't work like that. So I just want to encourage you with this. It's very clear that we should love him more than anyone else. Look at Luke chapter 14. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. It's very clear and strength. So is there anything or anyone sapping your ability to love God completely? Then that's got to go. The reason I mention this is because this is a real sign of maturity is your ability to say this or that person or situation is not good for me. I need to not do this. 
because it's taking away my focus on the Lord. Is there a person or a situation or a place that when you go or go with them or do something with them, it takes you off of your calling, off of your focus, off of your, the will of God for your life, then why are you wasting your time and their time? It's, it's hurting you. And so I just want to challenge you with this. If you're going to walk with God, you're going to have to say no, and the devil will always present someone in something you don't want to say no to. That is a test from God and a temptation from the devil to see, are you legit or not? Are you going to hold the line? Boy, it got quiet in here. Are we going to hold the line on our faith? Love him more than anyone else. You know what love is? Love is inconvenient. My wife, she's so sweet. She says to me sometimes, hey, I know it's coming next. She goes, I want a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> what that means is, will you go to the store and buy me Dr. Pepper? Because either we're out or oftentimes what it means is, is there any way I can get like a fountain drink? She likes a fountain. I don't have a fountain drink in our house, right? So she likes the fountain drink. Dr. Pepper's her favorite. So I'll go and I'll get her that. I have a friend of mine that his wife loves movie popcorn. So he will drive to the movies, not even to go to the movies. He'll drive to the movies, go in, order a big tub of popcorn, then take it home to her. See, love is inconvenient. I don't mind doing the Dr. Pepper thing. He doesn't mind doing the, doing the, the popcorn thing. And my wife does many things that are inconvenient to her that she just does because she knows I love it. And guess what? That's a sign you love someone, right? Is it, it, love is not a convenient thing. So did you think you were going to follow God conveniently? He's going to lead you to give up things and to do things you don't want to do. That's a sign he's God and you're not. That's what that means. So I want to challenge you, love him more than anyone else. Choose him over others, over inconveniences, over the world, over everything. Love is inconvenient. And this next one, John 8, 31 says this, If you continue to obey my teaching, you are truly my followers. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Free. You see, one of the reasons why we fall, we, 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 fall, we stumble, we have a problem with something we can't seem to get out of, we're buying into a lie. If you'll discover where the lie is, you can fix the problem. What lie do you continue to fall for? Truth sets you free. There was an American Banking Association meeting years ago. They put on a conference, and they invited tellers from all these major banks all around the, uh, the country to come in and to study currency. And what they were trying to do is show them, they were, they were trying to teach fraud protection from people bringing in false bills, fake, fake bills. People are printing their own money and trying to sell it off as currency that, that the government printed, that the Federal Reserve printed, and it wasn't. Not once in two weeks of the conference did they ever introduce false bills. They only studied the real thing. And if you study the real thing that much and anything that's presented that's fake, you immediately know it. You're like, no, that's not, no, that's not it. I've seen the real thing enough. That is not it. The Bible's this way. We should study the Bible so much that we don't get easily distracted by the world. We know the Bible so well that when we hear something that's not true, we immediately pick up on it. Let me give you an example, and I'm about to go into something pretty controversial. I'm not trying to offend anyone, and if this touches on something in your life or someone that you love their life, I am not saying this to hurt you. I'm saying this to set you free. Let me just give you one example. There are many I could use. In Genesis 1:27, it says in the scripture, God made us male and female. At no place in scripture is there a third or fourth option. But yet we're being taught by what's called schools, which are supposed to teach knowledge and truth. And not all schools do this, thank God. Not all teachers do it. But there are schools, school districts, school curriculum, teaching that there is more than two genders. 
There is not more than two genders. Genesis 1.27 is very, very clear. God made us male and female. And anything beyond that will hurt you. And I, I know it's getting quiet in here, and I want to tell you, oh, I can't believe Bill's saying this. This is how comfortable we are with the world's lies, is that we're shocked by the truth. This shouldn't shock us. This has been in Scripture for thousands of years. Well, Pastor Bill, are you worried you're going to get canceled? Yeah, I am. That's why I made sure I said this. I don't want God to cancel me. I fear Him. I fear Him. So I want to encourage you to understand that we have got to get so accustomed to the truth of God's Word that when we hear something that's not the truth, we immediately know it. We have Christians who are falling for lies. Because we're Christians, we know Jesus, but we don't know His Word. So we have to dig into the truth and know the word because the truth will set you what? And when you're set free, you're set free indeed is what Jesus said. So I want to challenge you with this. One last thing on that I just want to mention real quick. What they're not telling you, they're not showing you all the stats on this, is that um, once a, a person decides to add or remove a body part, when they literally try to cross over to another gender, when they do this, by the way, there's actually a word for it. And 10 years ago, it was in the DSM-5. The DSM-5 is a psychological book put out by the American Psychological Association that felt pressured by academia to change this. Not because anyone actually dealing with this wanted it changed, but because academia, people that don't even have this as an issue, said, we don't like that. It seems offensive to us. Those of us aren't even dealing with it, change that. So it had nothing to do with the people really dealing with this. So just 10 years ago, this was correctly called gender dysphoria. And so if you are a man and you feel the feelings of a woman, it doesn't mean you can become one. And even you say, but no, I can become it. I just got to take the hormones and change this and that. No, your bloodstream, actually, we, we can know your, your gender identity by your blood. Did you know that? It's, it's, in, it's your DNA. It's your genetics. You can't change that because you're not supposed to change it because God made you beautiful, just like you are. Amen. No changes needed. You're already awesome. Just like you are. And did you know that the stats tell us that when people finally do, do the surgery, if they go that far, that there's a 400% increase in suicide? You're essentially giving someone a death warrant. And yet people that call themselves health experts and doctors are literally leading people to slaughter themselves. So if we don't stand for truth in the church, people are like, oh, why are you bringing this up in church? If we don't say the truth here, where else are you going to hear it? So we have to say the truth. So this doesn't mean I'm teaching you to be disrespectful for people who disagree. At no point does God say don't love people. I will love you. I will respect you. But I will speak truth. So I don't want you to misconstrue this. Don't go be rude. Don't do that. Don't be rude. I have lots of people in my life who would disagree with this. And you know what? I love them. If they were in need, I'd be there for them. I'd open my home to them. How can I help you? I have no problem with that. So just hear my heart when I say that. But truth really will set you free. Truth is truth even if no one believes it. And a lie is a lie even if everyone believes it. So we still have to stand for truth. Okay, let's keep moving. So feed on this word and obey him. That's how you get proper nutrition is from the word of God. And look at Mark chapter 12. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. We just covered that. But the second command is this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. There are no commands more important than these. So the second most important command is to love your neighbor. So if you really want to mature in your faith, serve others unselfishly. 
Mature kids in the family serve in the family. Did you know that? This is why you're like, why is mom and dad always asking me to clean out my room or to take the garbage out or to pick up after myself? Why? Because you're part of a family. Because it's just about you. And so, in fact, the people who grow up that still think it's just all about them have real problems in their marriage and real problems in their career. Because let me tell you one way I can guarantee you'll be unhappy, make life about you. Jesus put it this way. Anyone who tries to gain the whole world will lose it. If you, if you try to gain your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life, you'll gain it. In other words, get your eyes off yourself, you big baby. There's other people who need you to serve them, who need you to make a difference in their life. Grow up. We have to look beyond ourselves. So I want to encourage you, a, a mature church makes a difference. You know, the last week there's been lots of crisis. You know, we've had an earthquake in Haiti. We've had an Afghanistan debacle. You know, people are still stranded there and we're still trying to get them out. We, there's, you know, Louisiana's had a huge storm. Guess what? We've done something in all, all three of those areas. Did you know that when you gave here, you gave to them? I don't know if we supported the mission to get those people out in Afghanistan. Did you know that? When you gave financially last week, we sent money to Louisiana. For those who are in need, we figure out which organizations on the ground doing the best job, fund them. We sent them resources. When we heard about the earthquake, we reached out to our orphanage, which we've had that orphanage for 10 years. We didn't just start there in Haiti. We've been there in Haiti, and we want to make sure that their needs were met. When you are a part of Church Unlimited, you are not about yourself. You are saying, we want to change the world. That's a mature church. It's not about us. It's about others. That's what a mature Christian looks like, too, serving other people. Next week, by the way, we're going to get a chance to do that. Next week is the 20th anniversary. I can't believe it's been 20 years. The 20th anniversary of 9-11 is next week. Can you believe it's been that long? It's crazy. How many of you guys remember where you were when the, when the towers were hit? Yeah. I mean, it was, a, it was something that just changed our generation. It really did. You know what? We used to say 20 years ago, they said this on the news. They said they, they, they showed pictures of officers that had died. Uh, firemen that had died, e EMT, I mean, you name it, all first responders that, that had given their life, sacrificed the most. And they, what did we all say? We will never forget. I think in the last few years, we have forgotten what they do, what they did for us, and what they still do for us. So next week, we are going to honor them. We're going to honor those who have fallen. We're going to honor those who are still with us. And so I'm so excited. We've been working on this for months, and it's still not too late if you want to get involved. We have decided we're going to make these bags. And so I think we have like I can't remember the exact number. It was like 15 or 1,600 bags. Honey, you remember the exact amount? How many? 1,200. Thank you. 1,200 bags. And each bag, we say, let's stuff it with free stuff just to put our money where our mouth is to give to officers, families, firemen, uh, any kind of first responder personnel, EMT. If they just show up, we're going to give them a free bag. And that bag is going to have not coupons, but free stuff. So there's free oil changes in the bags, all kinds of free stuff. And they just show up and get your oil change for free. Show up and get a meal for free. Show up and get an item for free. There's over $500 worth of freebies in each bag for our first responders. Any of them that just show up, they get a bag. Isn't that cool? We're just saying thank you loud and clear. That's just one simple way that we want to serve those who are serving our communities. And the last way that we need to grow up in our faith is Matthew 4. It says this, Jesus called out to them and said, Come and follow me, and I will transform you into men who catch people for God. Another translation says you'll become fishers of men or fishers of people. Jesus is talking to his disciples who were fishermen. And he said, hey, come with me. I'll help you fish for people. I'll help you catch them in the net to make sure that they're going to go to heaven. It says in Matthew 28, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We did that last week, right? And teaching these new disciples all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always 
So what does this mean? Number five, share your faith with others. In other words, share the gospel. So you really are not mature physically until you can reproduce, right? You go from a baby to a little girl to a woman who can reproduce. You go from a baby to a little boy to a man who can reproduce. That's how we know there's maturity. And so when is the last time you led someone to Christ? When was the last time you brought someone to church so they could find Christ at the end of the message when I, when I lead in the prayer of salvation? When was the last time you supported missions that helps people find Christ around the world? If you haven't brought anyone to church, witnessed to someone, or given to missions, then I want to tell you something. You're immature. You're a baby. Grow up. It's not all about you. There's going to be a final exam one day. You feel, I feel like you're calling me out. I am calling you out. People tell me, I wish the preaching was deeper. I'm giving you depth. You need to take it and swallow it and grow up. Because if we're going to be serious about our faith, and this is what God says, it's very clear. What I'm trying to say to you is that please do not call yourself spiritually mature if you're not making a difference in the world. That means you're like a football team that looks really good in the huddle. And at the end of the game, there's still nothing on your uniform. You still look good because you haven't ran a play. But we have to break huddle on Sundays and go run the play on Mondays and go live like Jesus. The Jesus we say we serve and follow, let's live like him and make a difference. That's what it means to be mature in your faith. Be different, be set apart, and do the work of God. Because there's going to be a final exam, and there's going to be two questions on it. When you get to heaven, here's your final exam of your life. I don't know if you know this. I'm going to you right now. Because it may be a pop quiz for you. You may, not, you may not know where you're going. None of us really know when we're going to die. So because of that, you should know the quiz is coming, the pop quiz, the exam, the final exam. Here's the two questions. First question is, what did you, God's going to ask you, what did you do with my son? What did you do with Jesus? Did you receive him? And almost everyone in here, everyone who's watching probably will say, yeah, I remember where I was. I was at church. I was listening online. And at the end of that message, I prayed that prayer. Or I was at camp or wherever you were when you accepted Christ. If you haven't, please receive him. At the end, of, right, in just a few moments, I'm going to lead you in that prayer. But there's a second question we keep forgetting about as Christians. He's going to, then going to say, so you received my son, then what did you do with him? Did you tell anyone else? Did you share your faith with others? Or were you selfishly just praying prayers like, oh God, bless me, help me, give me a promotion, give me a job, do great things in my family, help me. Any other prayers than that? God bless the neighbors that they would know you. Help me be a witness to them. Help me to change lives of hurting people. Or are we going to go to God and think, I can't wait to ask God, Lord, what about all those starving people over in Afghanistan? And the Lord's going to say, what about them? What'd you do? I give 80% of the world's wealth into your hands in three of the countries and you didn't do anything? You made it all by you? Wow. What'd you do? So you said to Christ, did you share him? Did you influence him? I'm going off right now, but could this time for us to grow up? Are you doing anything with your faith? That is what it means to be mature, to reproduce. That's what it means to fully develop into a disciple of Christ is to make more disciples. Yes, know God's word. We need his word. I'm not blowing that off. Of course, know the truth. It'll set you free, but then run with the truth to set others free. That's our job. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you for letting me challenge you today. Thanks for letting me get in your face a bit. I want to challenge you today. Have you given your life to Christ? You can receive him right now by praying a very 
simple prayer. You can pray this prayer with us right now. Just say this out loud. Say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed across all of our campus, those who are watching online, if you just prayed that prayer, would you lift your hand high right now? No one's looking around. Just lift your hand high. If you just gave your life to Christ, you're not alone. Many people have given their life to Christ in the last three weeks. Just lift your hand high if you just gave your life to Christ. Praise God. We see those hands. I see those hands at Rodfield, Stone Oak, Rockport, Padre. Come on, lift that hand high. If you're watching online, you can put it in the chat right now. Say, my hand's raised. Just we'll know what you mean. If you're at churchunlimited.com, you're following the stream, streaming live right now, you can just simply click hand raised. Just let us know. Lift your hand high if you just gave your life to Christ. Praise God. You're not alone. Praise God. We get letters, by the way, almost weekly from prisoners around the state of Texas that send this letter to say, I raised my hand. I gave my life to Christ. Isn't that great? Praise God. Thank you for your hand being raised. Thank you that you gave your life to Christ today. Thank you. Thank you. We see those hands. You can put your hands down now. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, in this prayer time. Maybe you're still stuck on something I said earlier in the sermon. Could it be you're offended or bothered or even freaked out that I would say it out loud because we're so accustomed to feeding on lies that the truth shocks us? Maybe your prayer today is to say, God, help me be more bold. Help me to speak the truth in love, as your word says. Not the truth harshly, but the truth in love. God, help me not to live scared, but to walk with you and to talk with you and to know you and out of an authentic walk with you. When those I love challenge your truth, may I speak up in love and let them know there's a better way. You're real and you can change their life because you've changed mine. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that we can stick to your truth. Thank you, Lord, that your truth has set us free, the truth about who Christ is. And I pray that we would tell others. I pray that we'd always be the kind of church that radically sacrifices to help more people find Jesus. Thank you that we can be that kind of church. We will love you inconveniently. Stretch us and challenge us, God. We want to be your people. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.